0: This is. It was a thing on TV. Colonel Man
1: has ever done something like this to me. It's uh time.
2: ladies and gentlemen. I give you the drags of
0: humanity. Episode two zero five submission five seventy two. Musical chairs. Musical chairs aired on CBS from June 16th of 1975 to October 31st of 1975, for a total of 95 episodes.
1: Pull up a chair and play along with our three musical chairs challengers. Carol Yeaman, a teacher at an after day care school center. Steve Gleisman, a freelance cartoonist from New York City. Ronnie Grayson, a homemaker who's expecting her first child. And our returning champion, Jerry Yule, a homemaker from New Jersey who has already won $2,500 on the musical variety game show, Musical Chairs, with Derek Smith and the Musical Chairs Orchestra. And spotlighting our special guest for this week, showcasing today the 17-year-old award-winning actress, star of the soon-to-be-released film sparkle sensational, Irene Cara. And those the millions of daytime TV viewers is Joanne Tate-Vincent, the versatile and charming Mary Stewart, and voted the number one soul group in the world, the Atlantic Records star recording group, The Extraordinary Spinners. And here's the host of musical chairs, our musical chair man, Adam Wayne. Let's play a game of musical chairs, and give ourselves a
0: round of hey, guys, game shows were all the rage back in 1975. I mean, they were all over the place. There there, there were dozens on TV, dozens upon dozens, many of which didn't last all that long. You know, we had had some uh, favorites like, well, The Neighbors premiered late in 75, but we had like Diamond Head Game. We had Give and Take and we had Spin Off. You know, these these aren't good games. We did have a, a few good games, you know, something called, the Price is Right, and Match Game, Match Game 75, by the and Match Game PM at that point, actually. But in this year, we had a little musical game show. We, we did have named that tune at this point, but we had a daytime offering brought to you by two gentlemen, one Jerry Schnurr and the other somebody you may have heard of. Don Kirshner
3: He of Rock Concert If I'm not mistaken
0: Yeah, uh, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert uh, Which aired on ABC
2: In the 70s through uh, 1981 And my introduction to Don Kirshner Was Paul Schaefer's impression of him On SNL
0: I'm Don Kirshner And welcome to Rock Concert In 1969 Marshall Checker's of the legendary Checker's Records called me on a new blues act that had been playing in small, funky clubs on Chicago's South Side. Today, with the help of Nessui Wexler, Jerry Erdogan, and the staff of Pacific Records, their manager, Maury Daniels, and with the support of fellow artists, Curtis Salgado and the Cray Band, They are no longer an authentic blues act, but have managed to become a viable commercial product. So now let's join Joliet Jake and his silent brother Elwood, the Blues Brothers. So these two geniuses of uh, the music business, they bring this game show, which actually had a very prime spot on the CBS lineup. It aired at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 p.m., so you got the eyes of all the kids that are home. But even bigger reason that it was a prime spot, it aired after a little show called Match Game. You think that the show that airs after Match Game couldn't lose? Well, it's
3: after Match Game, and in 1975, Match Game, which has
0: be hitting a strike. Oh well, Match Game would be the biggest show on TV. But also, let's remember if you've seen uh, Match Game on reruns, Buzzer or GSN, what usually came on after Match Game was Tattle Tales.
1: Yep. Right, Johnny. This is Johnny Olsen speaking from Match Game '75, a Mark Gibson Bill Chapman production.
0: Stay tuned for Tattle Tales next over most of the CBS. Business. So yeah, Tattle Tales. Succeeded for years following Match Game, and now we have this new show, and it didn't last long. Uh, Obviously, people were turning off their sets after Match Game, and a big question is why? Uh, I I thought the game was fun, and I think Chico thought the game
3: was fun. I thought the game was fun. I thought Adam Wade was smooth in his delivery, as cool as the other side of the pillow. But Greg thought otherwise. Um, Here's basically how the game works. You have one champion usually against three challengers. You play three rounds of three songs each. And a singer, whether it's Adam himself, by the way, Adam Wade is a pivotal role in game show history. He is the first African-American game show host on television. He walked so Steve Harvey could run, kids.
0: Ah, oh, that Nipsey Russell can run. Come on. I-
3: I'm, re- I'm relating to the youths because I'm an old DC.
2: And to be fair, your numbers up did not last that long. <laughs> oh, but we'll be talking
0: about that in the very, very near future. Oh, and by the yes. way,
2: by the way, kids, if you don't know what your numbers up is... We actually have that in the intro of the show, in case you ever wondered what the middle show was. Yeah. So,
3: we have three rounds of three songs each. And a singer, either one of the guest performers or Adam himself, would sing a song, stop midway, and then sing three different lyrics in the next line of the song. Only one of which was correct. This was basically split second meets don't forget the lyrics.
0: And occasionally, not all that often, but occasionally they'd throw in a set of gag lyrics as the last uh, set of answers, maybe to make it a little easier, maybe to fool people if they're saying, okay, I don't think it's A, I don't think it's B, and they put in C and it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, in in the text of the song, or in the course of the song, you're going to look a little foolish. So that can be a little tricky. Yeah, just a little tricky, just a bit. Yeah. How the scoring was, well, first off, there were four contestants. And you had, since Chico said it was like split second, it really was because when the players buzzed in, You'd uh, they lock in in the order almost like split second, uh, a little different than the original split second because these actually showed the numbers, the order that people buzzed in, like the split second we had in the mid '80s. So what would happen is for the first question in round one, the first three people to uh, answer the question correctly to lock in the right answer, they'd win fifty dollars. A second uh, song was uh, played and that one was worth $75 for the first three people to buzz in correctly. And a third and final song in the round uh, was played and that paid off a hundred dollars to the first three players who uh, locked in correctly. And the player with the lowest score after that round would be eliminated from further play, but they won everything they had earned up to at that point. But also... The way they were eliminated, I think this is a landmark type of exit at this point, because we did see this a little later in the future, about 12 years later. Mm-hmm. You'd have like the, uh, how would you describe it? Like the, the automated chairs that sort of yanked you back and through the wall, like remote control? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be the best way of describing it. So the, the, the people weren't just like said, hey, Congratulations you won $125, yeah, thanks for playing and you know, we'll be back with more musical chairs. No, they actually went through the back of the set, their chair went in reverse by reversing through some paper, almost like the uh, paper you have, uh, bulletin board paper in a classroom. Sort of like craft paper? Yeah, yeah, like bulletin board paper. Thin but not terribly thin, yeah. And then uh, a second round was played very similarly, but now since there's three people left, only the first two to lock in keep the money or get the money. Again, $50, $75, three questions, just like the first round. And again, low person on the totem pole, they leave by being reversed out on their chair and through uh, the craft paper. And then guess what the third round was? Is a little different. Okay, just, just a little different? Okay. Uh, a, a little different. Uh, you had uh, three songs that were uh, played. And again, first person locked in, got $100. The second uh, person, uh, uh, the other person didn't get anything. But then there was a very interesting little rule if the leader uh, rang in first and answered correctly on the third question, the game ended. So if the person who has the lead rang in, gave the correct answer, the game is over. However, it was sort of like a sudden death situation where the person who's behind, as long as they kept getting hundreds of dollars, they could keep playing. So they could essentially catch up if they got, you know, three or four or five questions in a row at the end. But uh, the, the leader, if they got one question, starting with the third question right, as long as they had the lead, they'd win the game, which I think is a different little type of ending. It, it, it gave a sliver of a chance for somebody to catch up, a teensy tiny little sliver, but still a sudden chance of winning is better than none. Yep, I'd say so. Now this
3: was actually the second format because I have the first format written on truth by consensus wikipedia which says that all of the eliminations happened in the course of round 3.
0: Okay, and I think on YouTube there's I believe three episodes and I yeah. think all and I think all three use the second format. Okay. So that that may be the reason why we have differing information about this show which makes sense but also again at the same time we're talking about a show that ran 19 weeks and it had two format changes in its lifetime no bueno
3: nope of course i'm looking at the roster of sort of guest vocalists that they had on this show now if this show reads like a faster-paced or a slower-paced version of Name That Tune, it is because it is indeed a slower-paced version of Name That Tune. That's why I didn't like it. But Name That Tune had a bit of permanence. You had the orchestra with Kathy Lee Johnson as your lead vocalist, and then you have sort of this uh, modern-day band with their own team of vocalists, But here you have, it was sort of like, sort of like rock concert if it were a game show. Because there would be guests singing, and they would be singing in upwards of 90 seconds. This is basically what would happen if you turned an American Idol audition into a game show, only with uh, questions about lyrics and music trivia and whatnot. If that makes any sense.
0: Well, I wouldn't call it American Idol.
3: Well, you get 90 seconds of a song.
0: No, no, I I get that. But what I'm I'm thinking, the uh, singers were known quantities. There were were no
3: qualities. And in some cases, they were up and coming quantities.
0: Uh, In some cases, yeah. And, And one of those up and comers was on the episode that has been on the circuit for years. Uh 25 years or so, or maybe even longer. Uh, a young lady, I think she was only 16 or 17 at this time, who would hit it big. Oh gosh, eight years later. Uh we're talking flash dance in 1983. Uh and of course, when I say flash dance, there should be one name which comes to mind: Irene Kara.
3: Yeah, she was actually 16 at the time when she recorded this episode of uh the episode of musical chairs in question. And, of course, she co-wrote and sang Flashdance, What a Feeling. But she actually became a known entity in 1980 when she recorded and acted in a little art house film you might have heard of it called
2: Fame. Oh, yeah, that movie. But hold on a second. When Mike said there's only one name with Flashdance, I said to myself... There's no freaking way Jennifer Beals was on this show. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I'm talking about the musical aspect. I get and, oh, that. And, the,
3: and after and uh, before musical chairs, you know what Irene Cara was doing? What? She was part of the short circus on the electric company.
2: Oh. Okay, so she was a known entity at that point, Known-ish. to some extent. Known-ish. Maybe she's... D- Maybe she would out and talk to Morgan Freeman on the side of the Electric Company. Who knows? Hey. Could you imagine? I know where you're going with it. <laughs> what what you're you already me...
0: paying rent in my head, Greg. Get out oh,
2: Wait, boy. you wanted me what I was gonna bring up the Spider Man segments from the Electric Company. I wish she would. <laughs> Will that be in the next Spider-Verse movie? Oh, wait a minute, Chico. Have you now seen Venom yet? I have seen Venom. Okay, so let's finally do it. All right, since I don't want to talk about this show, let's put Yaya here. Spoil alert! Spoil alert! Okay, Mike, you ready for me to ruin the uh, the mid credit scene of Venom Let There Be Cornage? You already right heard Spoil alert, so I guess I have no choice. Okay, well, at the end of the movie... Venom and Eddie Brock, they're lying on a bed at a hotel somewhere on the beach, and they're watching a telenovela, Chico. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the room, like, gets shifted, and it's like they're traveling to another dimension and stuff, and so the room's now completely different in the hotel. It's a completely different hotel. It's not the grungy hotel. It is a classed-up joint. And what's on the TV? I'm going to ruin it. all right, here we go. What's here, on the Mike. TV, Mike, is J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons from the Daily Bugle, talking about Spider-Man. Yes, that's right. It's the same scene as from Far From Home, and that's right. Venom has magically been transported to the MCU.
3: Are they going to work that into No Way Home? We'll find out in a couple of months.
2: I'm guessing but, the end credit scene. So,
3: oh, probably. Anywho, uh back to musical chairs though, because like I said, whereas Dave That Tune had a permanence, we had guest stars in this show. And the guest stars are actually pretty uh, pretty um decent. You have as known entities, you have the tokens, the spinners. Oh, love the spinners. I love the spinners too. Larry Kurt, Margaret Whitting, Sharon Vaughn, The New Christy Minstrels. What the hell is that? They're folk singers. Oh, I've heard of them. Sister Sledge, Bobby Freakin' Rydell, and Ernestine Jackson, and Sherry Lewis. What? Well, those are just those are just the known entities.
0: Oh, now hold on. Ralph Carter's a known entity.
3: He was oh, on yeah, Good Times.
0: Right. But, he but, was on Good Times.
3: He was. Oh wait, he was on Good Times. But I was like, he would be on Good Times at the same.
0: Oh yeah, you know what? You are absolutely correct. And we haven't finished talking about the game yet because uh, the person who has the most money goes to the bonus round. Ooh. Originally the bonus round was uh, a contestant had to name a song that was sung uh, with the singer humming through uh, any part of the song that uses the song's title. Not unlike what name that tune did when you hear Kathy Lee Johnson doing la, 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 la. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking about la, 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 la. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to give away the song title, obviously. Uh, And if they got a certain amount within 60 seconds, they won a bonus prize. But the round that's on the episodes that are known to exist, and this is introduced, uh, again, Truth by Consensus Wikipedia says it was introduced in mid-September of 1975, is that contestants were given basically 10 lines of a song, part of the melody of a song, and they had to put the song in order, in, 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 each of the 10 lines in order. And for each line that was correctly placed in order, starting at the beginning and going to the end, they got $100 per line. If they got all 10, they won $2,000. Not bad money, mind you, but just it pales in comparison to match games, $5,000. And you know, Price is Right was giving away five $6,000 uh, to contestants who won the showcases and whatnot at this point. A little skimpy, if you will, but also at the same time, it does cost money to get people like Sherry Lewis and Ralph Carter and Bobby Rydell and Irene Cara and the spinners on your show. And the thing is, it wasn't just like one act per show. There were like three or four acts on every show. That costs money. You got to pay for that talent. Not even talking about the talent of Adam and Wade. So I can understand why it might have been a little skimpy on the the prize budget. But yeah, like we said, this game is a fun little game. Unfortunately, it it just lasted uh, 19 weeks. It it, uh, ended its run on October 31st of 1975. No uh, treats there, just one giant trick. The trick of being canceled. And really the, the one thing I take away from the show besides the chairs that were being uh, removed from the set. Well, it's called musical chairs. That makes sense. What do you do in musical chairs? When somebody gets booted from the game, you remove a chair. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that. Just, Not bad. I just thought of that. I just thought of that. I. I I'm. Uh, yeah. My brain usually turns off at this time of night. Okay. Well, uh,
3: <laughs> did you mention the people who were the up and comers?
0: The up and comers.
3: We, we had like. Irene Cara, for one.
0: Yeah.
3: Then you had because uh, I have a list of up-and-comers here. Okay. And one of them was uh, Elena Reed. Does that sound familiar?
0: Two two seven. Oh. Yeah, she was the neighbor on two two seven. Or a neighbor. She 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 was because there were uh, several. The old oh. lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, two two seven.
3: Yep, and then you have uh, Broadway actors, Kelly Garrett and Marilyn Sokol and Jane Oliver. Because remember, this was taped at the end.
2: Oh, that's right, yeah. It was taped at the end,
0: yes. R.I.P. Big Red.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, we we made a little mention of it uh, on the last episode with our little uh, uh, USA Network introduction. But, but yeah, when we talk about the Ed, yeah, as much as we love Colbert and, and Letterman, seriously, Alan Coulter made that place the last like 25 years, or at least 20 of those 25. But also, you mentioned Elena Hall,
3: mm-hmm. Elena Reed Hall, married to from previous entry, Misfits of Science,
0: Kevin Peter Hall. That's exactly oh. what I was gonna say. Oh, yeah! She was married to Kevin Peter Hall,
2: right? Oh my God, she was married to Harry from Harry and the Hendersons.
0: She, she was married to literally a giant.
2: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fan- fantastic.
3: Absolutely, not many people know that, but we do.
0: Well, we, we bring you all the useless uh, information. True. So as I mentioned earlier, regarding the scheduling of uh, musical chairs, I mentioned it was on at four o'clock in the afternoon. It was literally the end of the CBS daytime lineup. It did replace Tattletales on the CBS lineup. Tattletales actually itself moved to 11 a.m., which is where Now You See It was. Oh, another former entry. Now You See It. And then once we got to Halloween of 75, Oh my musical chairs was replaced with m- a much worse show, give and take. Oh boy. Oh boy is right. Why don't you just move Telltales back? Hey, guess hey, Chico. Guess what happened after give and take was canceled? Telltales moved back to 4 p.m. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So give and take premiered on September 8th of 1975, and then just after Halloween, November 3rd, it moved from its original 10 a.m. time slot to 4 p.m., and it was gone by December 1st. Better than a kick in the pants, all I have to say. Uh, I think I'd rather have a kick in the pants, but hey, we're not here to talk about give and take. We're, We're here to talk about musical chairs. And speaking of that, I think we're just about done with talking about musical chairs. It, it, it's not a, uh, a big game in the history of TV. Maybe an important one in the fact that Adam Wade was the first African-American host. And he really set the bar for all the
3: ones to follow. What? with uh, Nipsey Russell became the next great African-American embassy. And, and really, I... I know there are a whole lot. Well, you mentioned Steve Harvey earlier. I, I did mention Steve Harvey. I was trying to find something in between Nipsey Russell and Steve Harvey.
0: And uh, it was like the only
3: thing I could... Michael uh, Strahan, of course. Al Roker. Al Roker.
0: Spencer Christian. Mm-hmm.
3: Wait, Spencer Christian hosted a game show? He hosted the uh, BET version of
0: Triple Threat. Yeah, Triple oh! Threat. Oh, okay. Okay. And actually, if we want to talk about another game from the late 80s that wasn't good, how about Randall Cunningham?
2: Oh, yes, Randall Cunningham. Well, it was no The Randall Cunningham Show on WCAU Channel 10 in Philadelphia.
1: The Randall Cunningham Show, Sundays at noon, only on Channel 10.
2: Oh,
0: my. That's really your takeaway? And really, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Leslie Jones. Of well, course, that's, that's true. The yeah. key of the supermarket sweep. Oh, yeah. So to say the least, even though this is maybe a blip in history, it's a darn important blip.
2: Yeah, even though I didn't care mm-hmm. for this show, it is a historical show.
0: It is, and I found it entertaining, but also I really enjoyed this being one of the few game shows That really had lyrics in its theme song. Oh yeah! Both the the opening theme and the closing theme.
1: As we sing once again. Contestants on Musical Chairs have been selected in advance and advised the rules of the game. Additional musicians for the players under the direction of Boris King.
2: What's the only other one that has it to tell the truth in the sixties?
0: Yeah. No, uh, no, Wizard of Oz.
2: Oh, that's oh. How can I? How can we
3: forget
0: it? Alan?
3: Well, they did retroactively write. Uh, uh, are we talking about just a time appropriate or all time? We're,
0: we're talking, I think, all time.
3: Okay, because they did retroactively write lyrics to the Shop Till You Drop theme.
2: Okay,
0: well, I take that back. Let, let's keep it in the 70s. I, I That wasn't the answer I wanted, and after hearing it, that's not, no, no, no. That's not acceptable. I didn't think mm-hmm. it would be. No. I just thought it was very entertaining, uh, the theme song, all the singing. You can see they're having fun, and also, when you watch the show, especially when they show audience shots, you can tell this is being done at the end. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh, can you tell it's being done to the end? All right. Do we have to say about musical chairs to wrap this up?
0: Musical chairs is a fun little game, I thought. I know my your mileage may vary, but there's been a lot worse. I mean, again, we can bring up give and take. There's your your lot worse right there. It yeah. was an innocent way to spend half an hour. Hey, I enjoyed the two shows that popped up on YouTube almost four years ago at this point. There's a lot worse ways you could spend half an hour watching TV.
2: Yeah, watching Temptation. Oh, God. Never mind that.
3: Okay. You know what? I think it's time to class up this joint after you guys have had way too much fun here. It's time for another installment of It Was a Thing Haiku Corner.
2: Oh. That's terrific. Here we go. Oh, listen to that music. Oh, so soothing. Alright, Chico, let's hear what you have to say this week. Adam Wade
3: singing. CBS quizzes the song. Irene Cara, yes.
0: Okay.
2: I guess. <clears throat> oh, wait, that's on NBC, I guess.
0: Well, I guess you listeners can go to our website. It was a thing on TV.com. And we have over 250 uploads there. We have mini shows and live shows, and obviously over 200 regular episodes. Plenty to listen to. And don't forget about our socials. Don't forget about Twitter and Instagram. And maybe. Facebook. Hmm?
3: Yeah. Long story short, we need a human.
0: We do, and yeah, for some reason, the Zuck took down our page, and I'm fighting for it right now because they didn't tell us why they took us down. They just took us down. They shot first, and they're going to ask questions later. So. But uh, we still have presences on Twitter and we still have presences on Instagram. Uh, And of course, don't forget, we're also on YouTube. That's right. uh, Yeah, we have uh, like almost everything uploaded there. And remember, if you want to stay up to date with all our YouTube uh, happenings, don't forget to click subscribe and ring that bell. One ringy dink. To stay current with our most recent uploads. But next, coming up uh, on our next episode, oh. we've bandied about this for some time. This may be one of the topics we've been waiting a long time to cover because we enjoy this so much—the insanity, just the madness so
3: much of a mind spark—and
0: and it was just so viral. I mean, it wasn't just something that was on TV; it was viral, and. We've made uh, allusions to it in the past, so it shouldn't be all that hard to guess what we're going to talk about. But, uh, you know, I might have to kick one of you guys out of here because we might have too many cooks spoiling the broth. Uh, Boy, I wonder what we're talking about.
2: Just make sure that we don't have any serial killers running around here. No. No.
0: Or, Or people named Will Dove.
2: Oh. Or, yeah.
0: No, th- no creeps named Will Dove. No, no, no,
2: no. Oh, no, Will Dove. I'll have plenty to say about Will Dove.
0: Oh, we'll, we'll have all have plenty of things to say about this coming up later on this week on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you very much for listening.
1: And we'll see you next time. Wow. This is Johnny Olsen speaking from Match Game 75. I'm Mark Goodson, Bill Sharpman. Good Reusing the chairs next over most of the CBS stations. Ow.